You're listening to the podcast of Williamsburg Christian Church, a community of faith joining God's pursuit of restoring lives. We hope you enjoy this week's podcast. All right, so we have been in this grasping, gripping, and giving series for a while, this view of money, possessions, and power, and we've taken a turn in it recently to center this whole thing in this idea of joy, that joy is the antidote to the gripping and the grasping, that joy is the antidote to the parts of our lives that strain and strive. And not only that, that we are literally, like literally made, literally wired. Our brains are malleated when, when we are born, like meaning they are, um, they're, they're, they're connected and they're insulated in place, that our brains organize and develop in our infancy all the way even to this very moment for this experience of joy that each one of us have this sort of attachment center in our brain that longs to bond and attach to relationships with people who are actually glad to be with us. Does that make sense? So like we talked about last week, when you see somebody walk in that you are like actually happy to see, someone that you know is glad to see you, you immediately and spontaneously, you know, have a smile on your face. And you would be like, well, so, you know, I do all the things and I do all the, all the little things. But you, you spontaneously respond because that's how our brain works. In something like 166 milliseconds, all the things happen in our brain to fire through our body that has a spontaneous reaction to what it is we see. The same happens with fear. The same happens with people we see that we don't like. When we get all like, like snarky, like stank eye, snarky face, like salty about it, like we just can't always control it. It just happens. Because then our brain goes into something that uh, neurobiologists call like enemy mode, right? It's the same concept. The beauty of all of this, the beauty of thinking about joy from a neurobiological standpoint, which sounds nerdy, but the beauty about thinking about it this way is you can know that God and God's infinite wisdom has created a fail switch in your brain. There's a fail switch in our brain that biases, it, it, it moves us toward joy, it bends us toward joy. You are biased toward joy. Even if you don't feel it, there is something literally in how you're made that longs for it. You're actually not pursuing fulfillment, you're pursuing something that brings you joy. Does that make sense? You're not even chasing after love. You're chasing after something that satisfies you, that brings you joy. And we talked about how biblically, Joy is mentioned 326 times in the Christian scriptures. Grace is mentioned 131 times. You see that? Oh, no, I'm sorry. Did I say that right? Nope. 131 times are attributed to Paul. Grace is mentioned 153 times. So joy is mentioned how many times? 326 in the Christian scriptures. And grace, 153 times. Hey, y'all? Y'all here? Y'all good? Yeah. All right. Just want to make sure. Like when they need a little joy sprinkled out in this room. Paul speaks of joy 131 times. Paul speaks of grace 88 times. And the interesting thing that I, conf- I confessed this last week. I confessed it last week. I'll confess it probably for the next few weeks. In my 13 years of pastoring, being one of the pastors of this congregation, serving with the shepherds, serving with the staff, when Romans says that the kingdom of God is about justice, peace, and joy, we have tried faithfully to help us see that to be citizens of the kingdom, to live as Christ as king, is to be about joining God and making right what what the reign of sin and death has made wrong. Justice. Does that make sense? 
We've also talked about peace, which is shalom, which is human flourishing. And so we've tried to lead ourselves together by the power of the Holy Spirit into being a part of what God is doing so that human flourishing is possible for all people. So you're talking about all the injustices of the world, of our society, moving into them, speaking into them with the truth of God, with the hospitality of God, being the witness of God, being the tangible expression, or as Garrett said, reflecting the glory of God. But the one thing that I have not done well, in my opinion looking back, is I haven't done well tethering to that justice and to that peace the other thing that Paul said the kingdom of God is about, and that is joy. And so this is the beginning of a long corrective, a corrective in my life and hopefully a corrective in ours. But I want to pause for a minute because I want to share something with you all that's very important. I have realized over the last several months that as I have geared my heart and my mind and even my body toward this conversation with us, that I have started to feel the weight of joylessness. My mind is going all weird. My soul is going all weird. My spirit feels all weird. And over the last couple of months alone, our church has experienced some pretty extraordinary suffering. Even just last night, Sandy Cooper and Cricket Slayer, Cricket's younger daughter's son was found deceased. He's only 18. Just yesterday, Robin Grisham, who normally sits right up here, she fell off the curb and busted up her knee. Susan Reese, who comes to first gathering, sits back there. She fell and broke her ribs. Aaron Waltrip, who comes to First Gathering, her grandmother died just last night, and not only but a week or two, about three weeks ago, her grandfather passed away. She was close to them. And that's just a little bit of all the things that continue to unwind, it seems, over the last several weeks as we're entering into this. So here's what I want to say. We need to guard our hearts because there's a battle for our hearts and a battle for our minds. This is a spiritual battle here. Now, you need to know, for those who don't know me well, I don't see the devil in the toaster when it breaks. I ain't your guy. You know, my tire's flat. I'm not cursing the devil. That's probably, I just didn't fill it up. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's probably what's really happening here. But when I start looking back and I see all of these things unfolding in the life of our church and even feel it within myself, and we're moving toward this conversation on joy, that gets my attention. And I want to ask that you hold it in yours. We need to pray for each other during this series. Can we agree to do that? So we move into this disposition of the soul, of the body, of the mind to understand that joy is central to belonging to God and sharing in God's life. And one of the things we said is that God, that joy is about belonging. Everybody say belonging. It is. It isn't about just some optimism. Joy is not optimism. Joy is not happiness. As a matter of fact, I'm going to push back in the next few weeks about the oversimplification that we choose joy. It oversimplifies what happens in the body and in the faith of a heart when it comes to the sorrows of life. To just say, well, joy can just simply be chosen. If that were the case, then it wouldn't just be the fruit of the Spirit. Right? So we're going to have to unpack the tensions and the nuances of all of this. But what we understand is that joy is about belonging, that you belong to somebody. When a baby is held by a mother or by a father or by a nurturing presence, and that baby stares into the eyes of the eyes of another person, and the oxytocin, which we'll talk about a little bit, that neurochemical that flows through our body, which is known to be our, what we call our love hormone, sometimes called the cuddle hormone. It's really the hormone, the neurochemical 
uh, messenger, the chemical messenger that sends through our body this idea that we are secure, that we are belonging, that we're attached, that we are bonded. That's what that does. When that baby sees that and that starts happening in that baby's brain and moves to that baby's body, you'll see that baby smile. My wife is sometimes called a baby whisperer. There's only been two babies she has never been able to whisper. <laughs> Stephanie. And, and, and one of the reasons why I think she can is because Allison has a kind of a gentle disposition, but when she holds babies, she locks into their eyes, and she doesn't talk to them. She's just with them. And if she talks, she talks quietly with them. And that oxytocin moves through the brain. As a matter of fact, there are plenty of studies out there that talk about how the same thing happens with animals. So my wife, we have a dog named Sam. I mean, I love Sam. He's, he's you know, he's, he's, he's tolerable. He's a good puppy. Um, but, but Allison, she, like, adores Sam. And Allison didn't even want Sam. I try to tell Sam that. I'm like, you know she didn't want you, but he doesn't understand. Um, but, uh, but Sam loves Allison. And so when, when Allison walks in, Sam goes crazy. Like, Allison's been gone for, like, six months. And then Sam wants to get in her lap. And when Sam gets in Allison's lap, Sam looks at her longingly. <laughs> just like it's creepy. And I'm like, you're trying to be in my competition. What's going on here, bro? But he's just like looking at her longingly. And what the studies show is that when dogs connect with the eyes of the human, what brain imaging technology has shown is that dogs have oxytocin that move through their bodies too. And it's a bonding agent. They feel a sense of belonging. It's true for humans. It's true for us all. Not just that. Have you ever noticed that when dogs, for anybody who's ever had dogs when they're in trouble, that they don't look at you? <laughs> right, right, right. And some of us, when we're in trouble, we don't look at each other. We're like, mm. Like we don't even want to look. Because our body kicks out a different neurochemical that says, stay away, stay away, stay away. Because we don't all of a sudden in that moment feel belonging, we feel threatened. You with me? This is all happening in our brains. It's like God literally created a fail switch to remind us that we are created for joy. We are created for belonging because there's no more belonging that is greater than the belonging with God. Because have you ever noticed in Scripture, when the Scripture talks about the presence of God, sometimes the Scripture talks about the face of God? You with me on that? Pursue the face of God. Look into the face of God. May God turn His face towards you. Why? So that our face, like a baby with a, with a parent, so that our face can lock with the face of God, so that we can know that God is actually glad to be with us. You with me? Come on now. Here's the thing about joy. Joy is about belonging. Knowing that you belong to God and that God is actually glad to be with you. God isn't like what some preachers and pastors have said. God isn't like what some Western theology has formed God isn't a God who is holding us as sinners in the hand of an angry God ready to cut us the, the, the line and dangle us down into the pit of hell. God is not one who's trying to save us from God's own self because God is so angry with us. That's like the old gods. That's the Roman, Greco-Roman gods. That's the Mesopotamian gods. That's the Egyptian gods. That's all the other ancient Near Eastern gods. Those gods are angry at humans, and humans have to appease those gods. That is not the God who is revealed in Jesus. Do you see that in Jesus? Do you see Jesus walking around not glad to be with people? Like even with the Pharisees when he calls them names because they have political power and he says y'all are children of snakes, which I mean that's, you know, that's not gentle. 
Does it look like, does God say, stay away from me forever? No. Does he welcome Nicodemus, who's a Pharisee? Is God hanging out with the sinners and the tax collectors, as Scripture says, and giving them lectures? Or does it seem like Jesus like, actually is glad to be with them? What we see in Jesus is that God is glad to be with us, that we belong to God, and God belongs to us, and that sense of belonging changes everything. You don't have to wonder, is God glad to be with me? The cross says he is. Matter of fact, your brain and neurochemistry literally says he is. You are wired, predisposed, biased toward that kind of attachment, that kind of bonding. That provokes joy, and that joy becomes our strength. And so we talked about joy as the outcome of a conscious awareness. Everybody say conscious awareness. Now, I use that language because I wanted to create attention. You can be with somebody and be aware that they're there, but not be conscious of their presence, can you? Come on, you've seen it. This is what I'm talking about, like, like sitting in the house with somebody or sitting at the table with somebody doing this, and then like sharing Insta Reels and TikToks with that person sitting in the room. Allison and I do that. <laughs> so do Ian and I. We got problems. So... That's, that's just an awareness. A conscious awareness is being conscious of the person that is with you in that moment, not just aware. Does that make sense? So it's living with a sense of conscious awareness that Christ actually is as close to me as the breath in my lungs. This is why I believe deeply in breath prayers. You breathe in through your nose. I am your beloved. And you breathe out through your mouth. You are mine. And remembering that the Holy Spirit in the Greek, the word is pneuma for spirit, which translates breath or wind. And then in the Hebrew, the Hebrew word for spirit is ruach, which translates breath or wind. The holy breath of God is in me. The, the believer is filled with the holy breath of God. Christ is literally as close to you as the breath in your lungs. There's no place you can go where Christ isn't going to be. Why? Because you belong to God. That's why God called you his am segula. Mike, what is am segula? Treasured possession. Mike's going to offer a word on that in a couple of weeks. God, we are God's treasured possession. Treasured. Not just possession. God doesn't just have papers on you like we do with Sam. Like God doesn't just own you. God takes joy in you being God's. Come on now. Y'all with me? Anything less than that to me is not really good news. And so joy is the outcome of a conscious awareness of belonging to God and that God is glad to be with you, leading to a joyful connection with God and a sense of satisfaction for the soul. And what we've learned is that joy is central to our faith. And so I want to I like just pummel us in a pastoral way with Scripture this morning. And I just want to hit Scripture after Scripture after Scripture. And we're going to do this every week just about. Not every week, but often. Because I want you to see how Scripture speaks of joy. All right, so y'all awake? Y'all good? Because we have coffee. Still, we have still coffee left. All right, do we need to do any Zumba, calisthenics, everybody? All right, so I want you to look at the Scripture. Here we go. First Chronicles 16. So here's the context. The context of this matters. Uh, the Israelites have brought back the uh, Ark of the Covenant, placed it inside the tent that David, King David, has pitched. They celebrate with worshipful offerings and a holy meal together. David brings the, King David brings the priest together, and then he charges Asaph and his family to write a song. Now, Asaph wrote a lot of the Psalms in the book of Psalms. 
Uh, and so Asaph writes this verse. Now, we're looking at just a verse in his song, and that's kind of unfair to Asaph because it's a really good song, um, and it's there. It's, but here's, here's what I want you to see. First Chronicles 16, verse 23. Sing to the Lord all the earth. Share the news of his saving work every single day. Declare God's glory among the nations. Declare his wondrous works from all people. Because the Lord is great and so worthy of praise. God is awesome beyond all other gods because all the gods of the nations are just idols. But it is the Lord who created heaven. Read this with me. Greatness and grandeur are in front of him. Strength and joy are found in his place. In other words, when you step into a room with God, strength and joy are found. So wherever you are, Christ is. Wherever Christ is, joy is. Are you with me? We just have to open ourselves up to it. The joy of the Lord is your strength, and the joy of the Lord is in you because the fruit of the holy breath of God, the fruit of the Spirit, is love what? Joy. It just may be buried underneath a whole bunch of stuff. But wherever God is, joy and strength are found. But have you ever noticed, and we talked about this in Theology Thursday. Y'all got to come to Theology Thursday. It was a brilliant conversation. And so I'm ripping off Fergie and Mike and Steve and Laura and everybody else who was there, if I, like who was there. There's something that we figured out together, that if joy is about belonging and being with people who are glad to be with us, how would the devil, how would the enemy most likely work in our lives to take our joy? To isolate us so that we would draw back and draw in. You with me on this? Because when we draw back and draw in, that isolation is a self-protection move. Self-protection because we're fear-driven at that moment. Something's going on, so we're going to isolate and draw back. But that isolationism, that drawing back, that then dis connects the joy that we are made for because then if I draw closer when I am feeling all kind of a way and I understand that the isolation is the way the enemy could work in my life to actually steal my joy but I press into my sister Joyce my sister Joyce which by the way has joy in her name so who better to talk to than Joyce but Joyce has the Holy Spirit in her right and so the Holy Spirit may speak through Joyce to me but if I'm isolating from Joyce then what am I missing the word of God that may come from her life. Are you with me? The answer is not isolation, beloved. The answer is as hard as it is, is finding someone that you're glad to be with and who's glad to be with you even if you ain't feeling it and you draw in anyway. The answer is that you open the scripture and you let the words of God flow over you and remember that you are God's chosen, beloved. You are God's treasured possession. One of the things that comes up time and again is how joy and God's presence are connected. And it's, we're not going to look at the face of God text today. We'll look at that in a couple of weeks. But I want you to check this out. First Chronicles 29, 22. They ate and drank with great what? In the Lord's what? That day. Psalm 5, 11. But let all who take refuge in you what? Isaiah 29, 19. Now, I'm, I'm sitting with this one for a while, y'all. Because there's so much in it, this idea of the humble, but this idea of joy after joy. Look at the text. The humble will have what? Joy after joy in the Lord. And the poor peoples will rejoice in the Holy One of Israel. The humble, the humiliated, the bent down. And that word for poor is the pressed down. These people will have joy after joy, but where? In more work? 
in more people, in more habits, in more hobbies, in more food, in more exercise. No, in the Lord. Psalm 1611, you make known to me the path of life where in your presence there is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures evermore. Psalm 21.6, for you make him most blessed forever. You make him glad with what? The joy of your presence. Zechariah 2.10, daughter Zion, shout for joy and be glad. Read this with me. For I am coming to dwell among you. Have you ever had those people who said they're coming over and you're actually glad that they are? I mean, mean, just every now and then, does that happen? And you get prepared and you get the room prepared and you get everything because you're glad. That's what actually, that's what's happening here. Yahweh is saying, I'm coming to be with y'all. But because God has come in Jesus, Jesus has said to us, I'm never leaving you. I'm never going to come. To be with you. I'm just going to simply be with you. Zephaniah 3.17. For the Lord your God is what? Living among you. He is a mighty Savior. And this is the text. This is so beautiful. He will, read it with me, take delight in you with gladness. That's why we say God is glad to be with you. Do you think the people of Zechariah were living well? And living faithfully at this time, when you read Zechariah, you'll realize they were, being, they were committed to nationalist ideology. Sound familiar? They were, commi- they were committed to their militarism. Sound familiar? They were committed to their ethnic superiority. Sound familiar? They were committed to all of these things. And it was separating them from the goodness of God. But God never separated God's own self from them. And so God sends a prophet to them and says, look, turn around. This isn't working out for you. I delight in you. I want to be with you. Stop running from me, thinking you can find what only I can give in other things. And that's the text. But we'll talk about that in a few weeks. Where God is present, joy is possible. And there is no place you can go where God isn't present. So then there is no place you can be, even in the darkest of hours, Where joy, not as happiness, not as optimism, not as the happy clappies, not as the feel good, but even in the midst of the sorrow, where joy can't still be somehow, somewhere present. And that's when we need it to be the fruit of the Spirit. Because at that point, only God can bring my joy back when my joy has flown away from me. I want you to look at how joy is connected to forgiveness and vindication, and even justice. Psalm 32, verse 1. How joyful is the one whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Psalm 35, 27. Let those who want my what? Vindication. That means God saying, for those who want me to make right what has been made wrong. Those who want my justice to break into that injustice. Look, let those who want my vindication shout for joy and be glad. Let them continually say, the Lord be exalted. He takes what? Pleasure in his servant's well-being. Psalm 67, 4. Let the people of all tongues rejoice and shout for joy. For you, Lord, judge the peoples with fairness and lead the nations on earth. Psalm 68, 3. But those who what? Do justice, are glad. They rejoice before God and celebrate with joy. 
Proverbs 10 and 28. The hope of those who what? Do justice is joy, but the expectation of the wicked will perish. Why is joy connected to justice? Because when we join God in seeing God move and making right what the world has made wrong, and we see people who are abandoned and lost and forgotten and disposed, welcomed into a place where they are loved and wanted just as they are, not as they should be, then we should see a sense of that. That brings me joy. When I look at the Samadis and I find out what she was going through before she came here, and now I see what she has and what her boys has, that brings me joy. When I think of the people that we've had a chance to love over the course of 13 years, people living through homelessness, people living through social displacement, and they found a place with God because they found a place here, that brings my heart joy. When you join God in the work of justice, you open yourself up to the discovery of a joy you could have never known had you sat on the sidelines or in the cheap seats. When you get into the arena, you see God move. You see God do only things God can do. Because here's the thing. If you and I belong to God and there are people in our society who feel like they don't belong anywhere, then we should be out there saying you belong to God too. So you can belong to us because we belong to God. And that's how this moves. It's how it unfolds. It's why Proverbs 11.10 would say, when those who do justice thrive, a city rejoices. Because the city's the benefactor, benefactor, beneficiary, sorry, the city's the beneficiary of a just and compassionate people. When the wicked die, there is joyful shouting. Isaiah 51.11, and the ransom of the Lord will return and come to Zion with singing, crowned with unending joy. Joy and gladness will overtake them, and sorrow and sighing will what? Will flee. So here's what this is not saying. This is not saying that we should not lament. If you, you, if you, first off, if you've been here for any period of time, you know that that's not at all where I'm going. But if you're new here, you may not realize that. We lament in this church. We lament. We lamented last week at the racial injustice. We lament at mass shootings. We lament over our fascination with such violence. We lament over the destruction of places. We lament when people hurt. We lament often. We are allowed and should lament because truly lament is what paves the way. If you think about it, lament is what paves the way toward praise because when we lament and we cry out to the God the only one who can actually do something about it then we're reminded that you know what even in the midst of the sorrow God is in sorrow with me because I belong to God it's like Jesus when he comes to Mary and Martha after Lazarus had died and Mary falls at Jesus's feet and says if you'd have just been here this wouldn't have happened Jesus's response was not a moral lesson of faith Jesus's response was that he wept with her and in that weeping in that sense of solidarity, there is what? Belonging. And in that belonging, there becomes the possibilities of actual joy that I'm not alone in this. You see how that works? A forgiven people find joy in God's forgiveness. And a just people find joy in God's justice. Last thing, 
I wanted you to see this morning how joy is connected to God's promises in Scripture. Psalm 119, 24. Yes, your laws are my joy. They are my most trusted advisor. Psalm 119, 77. Let your compassion come to me so I can live again because your instruction is my joy. Psalm 119, verse 144, 143, one of my favorite scriptures. Stress and strain have caught up with me. Oh, yes, Lord. But your commandments, your way of living in the world, it's my joy. Jeremiah 15, 16. Your words were found, and I ate them. Your words became a delight to me and the joy of my heart. Listen to this. Read it with me. For I bear your name. You see that? How many times have you felt a sad or hard kind of way and the last thing you wanted to do was open scripture or the last thing you wanted to do was pray or the last thing you wanted to do was gather with the church or the last thing you wanted to do was be with anybody. And that, beloved, is how the enemy works. Because if you draw into scripture, if you draw into prayer, if you draw into the church, if you draw into those who are glad to be with you, that will get that brain of yours going, that fail switch that God has put in your brain, literally malinated in your brain, wired your brain, organized your brain for that kind of attachment and bonding, to move that oxytocin to your body to where you then find that sense of joy that just begins to spontaneously move through your body. That, that is how the joy of the Lord is actually your strength. And that is how the joy of the Lord becomes your resilience. You're listening to the podcast of Williamsburg Christian Church, a community of faith joining God's pursuit of restoring lives. We hope you enjoy this week's podcast.